This is the Dave Logan Podcast. And welcome to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman, podcast number 48. Woo! In the midst of the zombie apocalypse. I'm going to say that every time because just when I think things are going to get better, something else pops its ugly head up and here we go again. But... Uh, are you talking about the Bronco injuries? Uh, sure. <laughs> the Bronco injuries, uh, the Nuggets defense in the last 2.1 seconds of game two of the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. The Rockies in general. Um, uh, golly, man. Has Nolan Arenado played his last game at Coors Field? He didn't play over Wow, the like right, you mean right off the jump, here you come. You mean firing We're coming in hot. 95 mile an hour fastball, like chin high, a little <laughs> bit inside. Move back. Um, has Nolan Arenado played his last game as a Colorado Rocky? Well, at, at Coors, because. I, I think that would depend, honestly, mm-hmm. I think that will depend solely on Nolan. And I don't think anybody, maybe outside of Nolan's immediate circle, and Nolan would have the answer to that. If he feels like the relationship between he and Jeff Breidich, the GM of the Rockies, is irreparably harmed and he's already made up his mind, well, then sure. Because if, if he fails to if, – if the Rockies go to him try to try to negotiate some sort of long-term deal and he just says no, well, then the Rockies are going to be forced, I think, to have to deal him. You can't just let him walk out the door and get nothing. So – that's sort of a way to get around the question, I guess, but that's what I really believe. If Arnado wants to stay here, I think he would be afforded the chance to do so. And I really don't know. I mean, my gut tells me that he probably does not want to stay. Um, yeah, but a little part of my gut says maybe he wants to he didn't have a good year. Well, which part? The small part, the lower very small part yep. of my gut says that he I know he wants more from the team. But I know he wants to perform better, and he didn't have a great year. So your small intestine says he's going to stay. What does your large intestine say? Au revoir. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. – <laughs> my colon says that uh, that he's probably not going to be here long term. And I would love to yeah. see – listen, I w- I'm a huge Arenado fan. I know some, some Rockies fans have soured on him a little bit this year. Not me. He struggled <laughs> this year, but the team has struggled. Um, he's a gamer. He's a great player. He's the best player in franchise history. So I would like to think that you could sit down in a room with him and come up with a deal that made sense, mm-hmm. but not so sure that's possible. I hope so. All right. So let's get to, well, first let's get to the game before we get to the injuries. We tape this on a Monday, the day after yep. the loss to Pittsburgh. I'm not into moral victories, although you accuse me of, of, um, being like that. I do have to say that game. Turned around a bit. It looked like it was going to be, oh, my God, this is going to be such a long afternoon when Locke goes out, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, God. And then it's not going very well. Well, at the fact that they were in it late was like, all right, I just saved three hours. You are There, there is a little bit of the participation ribbon no. uh, with you on that. No, I, I think they played hard. I think they gave great effort. No question about that. But this, I mean, you know, you think back to two games to start a season – and the injuries that have decimated this team. We saw a lot of injuries last week, over the weekend in the NFL, with with everybody. But the Broncos in particular, if you just said Vaughn Miller's not going to play at all, Cortland Sutton's going to play a game and maybe a quarter, and now he's been diagnosed with a torn ACL, he's out for the year. 
You've got Drew Locke that uh, in Vic Fangio's press conference today, he said said he had a bruise, but he was going to miss four to five weeks. With respect, I say this, that's clearly not a bruise. It's some. He said structurally his shoulder's fine. I don't really believe that. I think... Um, Why don't you believe that? Because you don't miss four or five weeks with a bruise. Yeah. You just don't. You don't miss four or five days so they're not with a bad the bruise. I think, I think he doesn't want to bring any more light to the significance of the injury. And he was asked specifically about that. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think it's a bruise. I mean, four or five weeks, you know, the way he landed, I said on the broadcast, I mean, that's the way that you dislocate your shoulder. I have no, you know, I have no basis of foundation to say that that's what it is. Could have separated his shoulder, I guess, possibly, but it's his throwing shoulder. So you're going to have to make sure that that injury does get calmed down and that you strengthen it and that you let it, you let it heal. The bad news is this was the year that the Broncos obviously wanted to take a long look at Drew Locke to decide, hey, do we pretty much cast our lot with this kid moving forward? And now, uh, you know, you're not going to have that that luxury. If he comes back in four or five games, you're basically halfway through the season. So you've got to, I mean, to me, I would let him completely heal up so that if I got eight games of him this year, I at least would have a large sample size to reflect on in the off season when I decide what I want to do with this upcoming draft. But um, yeah, they, they just have been absolutely just bit with the injury bug. It's, it's unlike anything I can remember in recent years with this team. So further on injuries, Draymond Jones out four weeks, Demarcus Walker out multiple weeks with a calf injury. Um, Okay. Let's get back to Drew Locke. And I heard this today. I didn't agree, but I was curious if you heard it on your radio show. Um, it's early, but is Drew Locke injury prone? I don't think you could. Uh, I don't think you could make that uh, or come to that conclusion. He's been yeah. hurt in in both seasons. Um, I think going back and looking at the film, you couldn't have made the case that had he stepped up in the pocket on the play, he was injured. Maybe he's not injured. I think that what what we see with Drew is that, and a lot of young players have this, he's really comfortable on the move. Mm-hmm. He played four years in Missouri, and he played in the SEC. So if you go back and look at some of his film, he was on the move a lot. Um, and he made some good throws against the Titans on the move. He looks to me to be as comfortable, if not more so, throwing out of the pocket on the run as in the pocket. So if that's the case, you have that little thing in your head that if anything appears uh, early in that progression in the pocket, whether you get a color that flashes or somebody starts to get in your lap, your instinct is get out of the pocket because you're an athlete and you can run. And you also have developed a confidence in your ability to extend plays and throw the ball on the run. So on that play, he didn't really have to get out as quickly. Again, my, my personal opinion, as quickly as he did. But I don't think he's injury prone. I mean, Bud Dupree... You know, he's 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 stumbling. He tried to put the ball in his hand down. Uh, he couldn't have known that Dupree was right behind him, and then Dupree dro- drove him in the ground. I mean, clean shot. So you couldn't have known that. So, no, I'm not ready to say – and I've seen some guys that are injury prone, and, you know, they just don't last long. But I'm not ready to say Drew Locke is one of those guys. Okay, so this is a podcast. So you get to say different things than you get to say on normal radio. So You're when- kidding, really? Okay. <laughs> So when Drew Locke went down, in your head, you said to yourself, 
Because I know what I said to myself. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I can't repeat exactly what I said to myself. Yeah. But I did watch him walk off the field. Mm-hmm. And he had like the inside of his right wrist pressed against his belly button, which is a sure sign that you have a shoulder issue. Mm-hmm. Then I watched him as the trainers and, and the orthopedic surgeon, Martin Boblick, talked to him in the sideline. I watched him get up without a helmet and go through some of the drop back moves and throw without a football in his hand. And I saw the grimace on his face. I knew then we wouldn't be seeing him today. Right. But I mean, listen, that's, you know, that's difficult. You, it, there are 32 starting NFL quarterbacks. If any of those teams lose their starting quarterback for any length of time, it completely and drastically changes the outlook of the season. I mean, how many, how many teams would be able to have, I mean, New Orleans last year, for instance, they, they had a good backup when Drew uh, Brees was injured mm-hmm. and they won all four games, but they have a great team and it was a veteran backup. So I, I thought Jeff Driscoll came in and played pretty well, to tell you the truth. Yeah, me too. I mean, people don't understand in the NFL, the backup quarterback, honestly, during the course of a regular season week gets two snaps, maybe the entire week with the first team. He's running scout team. He was probably running Pittsburgh's plays, maybe. Right, and uh, he didn't have any preseason games, which usually the backup No preseason games, and I think that's one thing to, to talk about again, and we've talked about it. It's not because of what's happened, but I said early, uh, even before game one, I would not be surprised if you see a bunch of guys go down because you haven't had a typical offseason. And I've made the comment before, these guys have personal trainers in the offseason. They work with the team. They train. They are train-out, train warriors workout warriors but you cannot prepare your body for an nfl season without going through some of the rigors of training camp and that includes a couple of preseason games and being able to hit a little bit in practice in a controlled way the broncos had none of that so you look yesterday at all of the injuries of these guys and i think what's going to happen uh you're going to for certain have debate next year because the players would like to have two preseason games and the owners obviously uh you know they may not look at it the same way they and want they're all gonna, of them and they're going to have data yeah they're going to have data said so look how many guys were hurt i don't think we'll have four uh-huh. uh but we're guaranteed to have two and maybe three so but so how do you feel about jeff driscoll for the next four to five uh Vic Fangio said today on our show that they're going to bring Brett Rippon up and he'll be the backup quarterback. The interesting thing, if you want to go out and get a veteran quarterback, Mm -hmm. because of the COVID-19 protocols, if you were to sign him today, he's got to be quarantined. He wouldn't even be ready to practice with your team until right before this week's game against Tampa. So you've got to decide, hey, can we get through this? Is there a veteran guy out there that makes sense that we can afford to sign and then sit for a week and then have him um, on the roster? backing up i i know they like brett rippon uh and like him quite a bit so to answer your question about driscoll i thought he played pretty well mm-hmm. under the circumstances got a strong arm uh he's he's a good athlete he was a guy that ran very well at the combine when he came out of louisiana lafayette uh he's big he's 235 pounds made some good throws arm strength not a question um I, there there you know there were a couple of plays that i know he'd like to have back they had a first and goal at the four the broncos did and they, they, they get in 21 personnel and show heavy run sets. Steelers bought. Um, and Driscoll, if he's just a little more patient in the pocket, he's got 
two guys wide open for touchdowns. And not only did he not see them, which I guess is understandable because you haven't repped it in practice, but then he took a sack back at the almost the 11-yard line. You yeah. cannot, if you're first and goal at the four and you don't like something in a play pass, throw it away and you're second and goal at the four. But they didn't get in that time. And then the last, I think you could take issue really easy retrospectively to look back, but the last two plays, third and two and fourth and two, as they're going in for what could have been the winning touchdown, retrospectively, I've got to get Melvin Gordon involved. I said during the broadcast, listen, if you spread them out in an empty set, Jeff Driscoll's a good enough athlete and the box is light where you, you can, on a quarterback draw, you're going to be able to sort of navigate your way through there. Now, the danger of that is the backup quarterback to Jeff Driscoll yesterday in Pittsburgh was Royce Freeman. <laughs> right. So maybe that played a part in it. But the last play, fourth and two, because I went back and looked at this, Terrell Edmonds, the safety of the Steelers, and the Steelers were able to generate a lot of pressure with five-man five man pressure, right? Pressure on Driscoll. They led the league in sacks the last three seasons. They had seven yesterday. I mean, a couple of those, they just, Broncos get beat individually. But the last sack, Terrell Edmonds, the safety, is on the line of scrimmage. He's on the line of scrimmage to the quarterback's uh, vision side, the right side of the offense. At that point, you've got to you've got to slide your protection to pick him up, right? You've got Elijah Wilkinson covered. You've got Graham Glasgow covered. Your center Lloyd Cushenberry slides left, so both your right guard and right tackle are occupied. Well, the safety's on the line of scrimmage. You either have to slide your protection. Uh, that way, or you've got to make Melvin Gordon hot out of the backfield. Whose fault is that? Well, I, I you know what? There's no way for me to know because I'm not in the meetings. I think I think you could have accomplished uh, a positive play had you done either thing. Had Jeff Driscoll seen the safety and he's on the line of scrimmage, and again, Driscoll didn't take any of those snaps, right? But if you if you look up. You're getting your snap counter. You see the strong safety. He's on the line of scrimmage, and you know your protection is, call, is called for your center. You've identified Mike, and you're going to slide left. You know you're one short right. So either you have to slide the protection or the back has to pick up the the safety, or you can hot call that, and the back has then got to get the ball in the flat. But Melvin Gordon didn't didn't look for the ball. I don't know if he was supposed to. He ran an error. He was going to be wide open, but by the time he got open, Jeff Driscoll was – in uh, horizontal parade rest. <laughs> Do you think that Melvin Gordon was underutilized in that game? I thought he was one of the bright spots. Uh, I thought he ran the ball effectively and efficiently. Um, I thought he ran hard. Um, he rushed over 70 yards. I, I think, again, in that last drive, I would have liked to have seen him touch the ball mm-hmm. on either third or fourth down. That's easy for me to sit here today in my own little office, not having to make a call in the midst of a of a game. You you make a call because you think it's going to work. You know what? If the Broncos on third down and two complete it and they go in and score and they ultimately win the game 28-26, then we're going to be sitting here talking about that was a great call. But the fact that they didn't and they couldn't pick up a third and two or fourth and two, now we sit here and say, well, why the hell would they call that? That's just the, the nature of the NFL. Give me something positive, something you saw out there. It's a beautiful day in Denver today. <laughs> no, I think there were positives. I think Jerry Judy bounced back after a game that, uh, you know, he had two big drops against the Titans, which probably cost them the game. Mm-hmm. He made a couple of big catches in the middle of the field. One, he took a big shot from Devin Bush on. 
able to get up. Hey, young man, that's, that's, that's how you do it. You got to earn your stripes in the middle of the field and you will get so much respect from opposing players when they see that film because they will say, okay, this kid's going to come in the middle and catch it. We can't intimidate him into dropping it. So that was a plus. I thought KJ Hamler was a plus. Uh, in a league full of fast guys, he's like faster than all your fast guys. And it's nice to have fastest? not, well, he'd be one of the 10 fastest players in the league. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have one of those guys mm-hmm. finally playing for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, Denver's defense had two turnovers created after none against Tennessee. How about Noah Fant? Uh, I thought Noah had a good game. I'd like to get him involved maybe even a little bit more, but looking like he's going to turn into the playmaker that we all had hoped for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think there were I think there were some positives. How much pressure do you think that he wouldn't admit it, but you're very acquainted with how coaches think? What's Vic Fangio right now thinking like the heat's coming well, down? He's he's been around this game a long time. Not in this position. No, but he's been around the game a long time and certainly long enough to understand how this game works. Mm-hmm. Every everything we've talked about today is real right the injuries are real and sometimes you're going to get guys hurt that unfortunately are irreplaceable in the league so the fact that Von Miller's not going to play all year that you don't have anybody that's going to come out with double digit sacks you just don't that's how the league works and now you lose Cortland Sutton and Philip Lindsay's down now we're we're told that Drew Locke's going to be down for four or five weeks and so the injuries just mount up but the bottom line in the NFL is as a coach you are graded on how many games you win and how many games you lose and that's just the way it is nobody feels sorry for you they don't care people don't care uh you know hardcore Bronco fans will acknowledge that this team has been decimated by injuries but at the end of the year you got to find a way to win games that's what you're paid to do so um, you got to get some of these young guys uh, coached up and rallied up and figure out a way uh, to to best put Jeff Driscoll in situations that he can excel in. And now without Cortland Sutton, who's your number one receiver, and Hamler and Judy, two rookies, have to step in. And Tim Patrick has to play a bigger role. And Deshaun Hamilton sort of the forgotten man. You know what? You're not on scholarship. You're right, so you got to produce. We're going to put you in situations where you got to go in and produce. And Noah Fant and maybe get your other tight ends involved. And so it's uh, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not even an easy thing to do when everybody's healthy, but it's a really tough thing to do when a lot of your guys, air quotes, your guys, your dogs are hurt. But Vic's got to find a way to lead this team and have them not feel sorry for themselves and come out and find a way to beat Tampa Bay. How was he in post game? I didn't get to hear it. He was okay. You know he's uh, you know he's fairly uh concise in post game he doesn't he's not uh, elaborate in his answers mm-hmm. uh, he'll answer any question that i have um you know defensively you you played pretty well you give up an 84 yard touchdown throw and another rookie in michael ojemudia on the coverage i think he's going to be a good player but he just got he got beat by chase claypool the rookie that's going to happen in nfl i mean cornerbacks have to have very short memories otherwise they're 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 not playing corner in the NFL, stocking groceries or driving Uber. Well, Nothing wrong with either down. job. Right. You got his name down, so I hope he sticks around. Michael Ojemudia. Yeah. Pretty I mean, pretty impressive. Like it was nothing. Hey, when we come back, guess are we coming back? Town. Yeah, we are. Okay. We have to. Okay. Very good. <laughs> 
The Dave Logan Podcast can be found at iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Remember to download, and if you like what you hear, share with your friends and subscribe. Remember, you can log on to our website, thedaveloganpodcast.com. Go to the contact tab to ask us questions. We'll read them on the podcast. Most every question is fair game. Just keep it classy. It's a daveloganpodcast.com, or you can send your question directly to us on Twitter at DaveLoganPod or at Julie Brownman hey time to talk about orthodontic specialist dr Wojtek bobek we know that getting braces for yourself or your children is a big decision it can be a big investment right not one to take lightly so we would like to steer you in dr bobek's direction because he has years and years of valuable experience in the industry while also using state-of-the-art digital radiography and 3d technology Dr. Bobak also knows that orthodontics can be pricey for people, so he uses what scientific clinical research has shown to be significantly effective. Now, some of those fancy braces and treatments may sound good, but have not shown to be effective. So it just means that you're spending a lot of unnecessary money, which is not cool. That is not what we need to be doing these days. Know that Dr. Bobak takes all insurances, including CHP Plus and Medicaid. And also, rest assured, you're walking into an office that is spotless. They take all the necessary measures and more to make sure you and your family are safe and comfortable by using temperature checks, face shields, and N95 masks. Dr. Bobak, as we've mentioned before, with three convenient locations. One is in Lakewood. Julie and I went out and saw him there, but he also has offices for your convenience in Thornton and in Aurora. It's a really relaxed, comfortable environment. They've got TVs to watch. They've got music to listen to. and just a nice place to be. And listen to this, and this is the key. If you mention that you hear Dr. Bobak on our podcast, you get a $500 discount on a full set of braces or Invisalign. That's a great deal. Check them out at bobackortho.com or call 303-988-0844. Again, 303-988-0844. That's bobackortho.com and smile like you mean it. Welcome back to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman with you. Broncos lose a heartbreaker yesterday, 26-21. Had a chance to win it with about two minutes to go, but turned the ball over on downs. Uh, we, we mentioned some of the other injuries, and I also mentioned that Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will roll into town for a game this coming Sunday. One thing I want to say, it was very weird for me, first time in 31 years mm-hmm. of broadcasting Denver Broncos football, that I'm broadcasting a game, mm-hmm. that the game is not taking place <laughs> on the field that I'm looking at. Our crew, the five of us, were in our broadcast booth at Empower Field at Mile High, and other than the security guard who was very nice to let us in the stadium. There was not another person in the stadium. Why do you guys do that? And it was bizarre. Why well, you just do it at the studio. Well, because the NFL finally in the last 10 days agreed uh, to send us the all 22 angle, but they would only send that angle to NFL stadiums. Oh. They're very concerned about the NFL's, I mean, they're concerned about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but they didn't want that signal going to uh, a radio station. So we were down there and uh, it was just, I don't know, how would I describe it? Just bizarre. You guys and the security guards. Security guards stayed at the gate that they let us in. We went upstairs Uh and, and did the broadcast as best we could, but we're broadcasting the game. We're in Denver and the game's being played in Pittsburgh. We're broadcasting off the all 22 monitor, which never leaves that playing field you can see all 22 players the 
the the issue is it's such a wide angle look that it's very difficult to see the players. So with the Broncos players, I didn't have that big a problem because I can almost now doing it for so long, I can see body shapes and where guys would line up. And I know that like KJ Hamler is much smaller and his body looks different than Corlin Sutton when somebody trots out of the huddle wide left. So I know who it is. But with the Steelers, it, it was difficult to see. So you had that you had that vantage point and then you had the regular TV monitor. The all twenty two was about four seconds ahead of what everybody was watching on TV. And the radio call was about, we were told today, about 15 seconds ahead of the actual play on TV that people at home were watching. So, interesting. Okay. So. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Usually comes to Denver. You fired up about, are you a Tom Brady sort of gal? No, he's too good looking. What? Tom Brady, you know these people. Everything's amazing. The dimple. It's a good-looking man. Well, so what? What's wrong with that? It's not real. Like the hot wife, the lovely. I'm not going to talk about it, lovely family. This almost sounds like jealous agitation. It's not for a guy, no. But like, he's not real. And so you don't like him because of that. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not a like. There's a lot of people that love Tom Brady. I You're think not it's one amazing. of them. A little bit of a hater, but I mean, you can do what you want. I don't hate want him. Do you like him? I think absolutely. I, I think, think he's great at what he does, but yeah, I'm not one of these guys that you know takes seemingly every opportunity to find a flaw <laughs> with Tom Brady. Oh, you know, sick of winning. Hey, you know what? They've been. I mean, when he was with New England, nobody did it any better than Tom Brady did. So I tip my cap to him and Belichick and that whole crew. But um, well, you, I mean. He's boo worthy if you're a Bronco fan. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying sure, yeah. sure because he's the opposing quarterback. Yeah, right. Okay. And so, there will be 5,700 fans. And how are they going? to Are this every level, or is it like just all on the? You first? know, I don't even know. I'm not even sure how they. Hmm. I think it was. I believe it was the lottery system they hmm. used in terms of season ticket holders. Yeah. You have to. I know. Once you get to the game, you have to remain seated in your section, whatever that section is, and then in terms of buying uh, concessions. You have to buy them from one spot. You have to go in one gate and out one gate. So it's it's going to be interesting, but uh, I'm glad at least we'll have a few fans. I'll tell you what. I would like to see Tom Brady succeed because I like him more than I like Bill Belichick. Like, I would like to think that Tom Brady can succeed without Bill Belichick. I feel like Bill Belichick's the kind of guy that's like, it's it's all about me. What don't you like about Belichick? Oh, he's a grump meister. So he, grumpy. He, I know. He, yeah. But, you, but he's real good at what he does. <sighs> You make me seem petty. Um, okay, let's talk about the game. Easy to do. <laughs> so, Tampa Bay one on one. I think that Tom Brady looked a lot more comfortable in the second game. Okay. Um, I think Tampa Bay is going to be very good before it's all said and done. Are they good enough? Are they good enough to beat New Orleans in their division? Uh, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. They've already lost to the Saints once. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Tampa Bay can be a playoff team, and then once they get in, who knows? Well, they've got a lot more weapons than just Tom Brady. Fournette had a great game um, against Carolina, and Mike Evans had a great game. So I think there's a lot for the Denver defense yeah. to concentrate on. Mike Evans is a big-time player, and yes, you're right. And the one thing about Tampa, they're not only pretty good on offense, they're pretty good on defense. Mm-hmm. So this will be – I mean, this is going to be a real – I mean, real. It's going to be another challenge for the Broncos 
trying to find a way to score points and up points to to win a game with your backup quarterback, without your best receiver, without one of your two top running backs. Um, but you got to find a way to piecemeal things together. Well, isn't the Steelers' defense better than the Bucks' defense? I don't know. I mean, the Steelers' defense has led the league in sacks in each of the three last seasons. But the Bucks' defense is pretty salty. I mean, I think uh, the Bucks' defense last year was the strength of that team. They were top 10 ranked defense in virtually every defensive category. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's going to be that's going to be a real challenge for Jeff Driscoll and the Broncos' offense. Do you think that Tom Brady can succeed without Bill Belichick and everything and the all the pieces that Belichick gave him in New England? Um. My belief is I think they tired of each other. I think, you know, you spend 20 years with somebody for crying out loud. What's the divorce rate in America? 50%. Okay. So those guys (laughs) coexisted and won a hell of a lot of football games, but did it over 20 years. I think Brady uh, and his people probably felt towards the end that they were not um, thought highly enough that they probably didn't receive their due and from from coach Belichick. Mm-hmm. And I think coach Belichick is competitive enough that I mean his thing is listen, I treat all the players pretty much the same way and I will jump on your ass if you do something stupid and I'm going to out you right in front of the entire team and if you don't like that, you probably shouldn't play for me. So, but I think the further they get away from each other, both mm-hmm. are uh, going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. I think they will appreciate what they had over 20 years. Because you look at the the rate that they won and how many championships they won, we're never going to see it. We're yeah. never going to see that again. First of all, you're not going to have a quarterback probably play 20 years. Second of all, you're not going to have that head coach last for 20 years. And third of all, you're not going to win six Super Bowl championships. I mean, if you can win one or two, yeah. right? You're you're the mayor of town, right? So. We'll see. So Buccaneers defense forced four turnovers against Carolina. Um, we didn't talk about this in the first segment, but a rough game for the Broncos offensive line, especially Elijah Wilkinson. Is that, I think, the biggest battle that we're going to see on Sunday? Well, how you protect your quarterback is always the biggest battle. You know, a lot of people get so caught up with concepts passing-wise and they get caught up with, with having great receivers outside and all, and all that's – necessary and all fine and good but if you can't protect it if you can't protect the various looks you're going to get and in the nfl uh, it, it is so much different than what we experience in college certainly high school but you're going to get a lot of looks and you're going to get um you know un, unscripted looks you're going to get looks the broncos will get looks from tampa on sunday that they have not practiced for all week and, okay. and vice versa yeah vice versa now the the difference is you've got tom brady who has seen most, if not all, those looks at time to time, and how quickly they can adjust, as opposed to you have Jeff Driscoll, who's in his fifth year and has played some quarterback and started games, but how quickly can he adjust to stuff that they haven't seen? So, again, I get back to Sunday, and this is six days away from the game. you got to be able to run the ball against Tampa. You have to be able to hand it to Melvin Gordon and get the running game going, and you got to utilize Jeff Driscoll's athletic ability. They threw it too many times in Pittsburgh, over 50 times, and you stress your offensive line beyond belief, especially against those yahoos at Pittsburgh. If you're dropping back and throwing it that many times, tough to, tough to protect. Before we go, again, this is a podcast, so you can say 
you know how you really you're feel. trying to lead me <laughs> if you were a, if you were a, a lawyer yeah the the i mean the other lawyer would say objection he's leading or she's leading the witness and the judge would say uh-huh. sustain <laughs> when anthony we're just going to do 20 seconds of nuggets talk when anthony davis hit that shot okay what went through your head? seriously seriously here's the deal first of all i mean i'm standing you know when the nuggets go up uh, and then lebron takes that sort of floater running floater to his left wasn't even close and i'm screaming rebound right and then the ball kicks to danny green in the corner and i'm like no (laughs) then jamal murray flies through blocks the shot and then tries to save it in bounds can't do it so i like everybody else at that point look at the tv 2.1 seconds i'm Uh like oh god so you're gonna. You're more than likely. There was no timeouts. There was no time to set a defense. Lakers didn't have any timeouts, right? I I don't think the Nuggets called timeout there. I don't think they did. But it looked like they're going to switch everything. So between Plumlee and Grant, when you have AD run off a high screen, head to the 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 top of the. I mean, head to the corner, extended. Neither guy, Plumlee, stayed on the screener. And so did Grant. So here's AD. The guy that contested the shot was Nicole Jokic, who was covering the inbounds pass. It was Plumlee. Oh, my God. So I'm like, no. When I saw it, I mean, I'm screaming. And I'm screaming, no. And then the ball, at when the red light goes off, nestles in in the cord. And I'm like, I mean, I screamed so loud. I scared the hell out of my dogs and my family. But... Man, they were right there. That's a game you had to you had to win. Now down 0-2. Uh, I mean, it was going to be tough anyway, but 1-1, you just have such a different uh, mental outlook. You say, like, you know, we're right here. Yeah. And then you can start to put a little more pressure on the Lakers, you know. know. But uh, 0-2, that's a killer. I feel like all we bought is, Brad, is bad news. No, we've got plenty of good news. Okay. Plenty of good news. <laughs> I mean, do you want it? Do you want it now? You want the good news? Yeah. There's going to be 5,700 fans. There we go. At Empower Field at Maha. That's as good as I can do today. Okay. Au revoir. Au revoir.